Midnight have returned with Let There Be Witchery. Since 2003, one-man band Athenar has been churning out an ungodly racket, dropping countless demos, splits, and EPs. Music to start fights to, delivering more of what can be expected from his demented mind. Don't miss this catchy mixture of black and speed metal and dirty punk rock. I always wanted to be loud and nasty, Athenar asserts. That kind of thing never gets old with me. How funny will that look to me at age 77, if I reach that point, sitting on the porch blasting Hellhammer? Let There Be Witchery is coming out March 4th. Check out music, pre-orders, and more at metalblade.com slash midnight. One more time, guys. Midnight's new record, Let There Be Witchery, is coming out March 4th. Go pre-order it right now at metalblade.com slash Midnight. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. What is going on, everybody? Out there, it is I, your host, Petter Speich. I'm always joined by... Let me, let me, let me give you a proper intro. Oh, proper. I am always joined by Madden, NFL, since 1997, world Super Bowl champion uh, until 2021, Brandon Guchon. Thank you. Thank you very much. I've been winning Super Bowls ever since then. Um, You may not see me on your program, but I'm in your heart. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at your buddy Gooch. How many how many Super Bowls have you won in Madden? It's 97 accurate. When did you Uh, when did you quit NFL Blitz and go over to the Madden world? Was it PlayStation? I don't think I ever quit NFL Blitz. No, I mean, I don't think I ever quit Madden. I always was in Madden. So it was like I think I took a break from Madden to play NFL Blitz, but Blitz did, Blitz didn't stick with me. Blitz Blitz was just a one time fling, but I went back to the arms of Madden. All right. Well, make sure to follow our other co host now that we all know your video game football history. <laughs> it's part of the intro. Make sure Riveting. to follow follow our other co host guys. That is Jocelyn Sharp. That's J O Z A L Y N Sharp on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. She is at the Wizard of Jaws. G J O Z on TikTok, and also make sure you're sending emails tweets whatever to sylvia alvarado today is her birthday so make sure you wish her a happy birthday and follow her twitter instagram at it's the Sylvia. if you guys want to follow me i'm at our other podcast handle that is at rise to offend on facebook and twitter rise to offend official on instagram on the show oh i'm so excited so excited to promote the new record by amorphous i got oli pekka lane and we are here to talk about Halo. It is the uh, conclusion of the trilogy they've been working on, man, but it is an amazing record. It is out right now. It just came out this past Friday with a slew of fantastic albums, so make sure you guys are picking up Halo. It's out right now. But before we jump into that interview, me and Matt and All-Star over here, we're going to talk a little bit about that Metal Sucks news. We're here to tell you what you need to know. Metal Sucks News. Who is raping and upcoming shows? Metal Sucks News. Digging deep just to get the scoop. Metal Sucks News. Fill your head with the media's poop. Now that we have your attention, lend us your ears. Metal Sucks News controlling my thoughts. Will it make you happy or fill you with fear? Metal Sucks News. 
guide or the lost. Come with us. First story we're going to talk about is a debate. A debate that I don't know what sign Brandon's on. So this is going to be fun. Because I didn't even tell him this story. Oh, wow. We didn't even have a pre-show ritual where you actually ran down the rundown. Nope. I'm going into this cold. Let's do it. Okay. Steve Albini. He's called a recorded by on Nirvana's in Utero. I know he's not a producer. He did one of my favorite records by Zayo. The fear is what keeps us here. Uh, He did worked on Local H's Lifers, one of our best of all the year. Steve Albini. Is a is a famous Chicago mixer, recorder, producer, whatever you want to label him. He said, and this is where our debate will come, that juggalos are less annoying than deadheads by an order of magnitude. Brandon, who's more annoying? Let's go. Okay. Now, you have to understand something. By the time I came across deadheads, mm. they were mostly older. So they were like, you know, 30 years older than me when I was actually, you know, old enough to start going to concerts. So I didn't really have as much, as many run-ins with deadheads. Juggalos, on the other hand, um, they are, see, I would probably rather hang out with Juggalos because you're going to do the same drugs, except uh, with with the, with Juggalos, though, there's going to be fireworks. So there's going to be at least... Some more entertainment there. Someone might light themselves on fire. Right, right. I mean, it's like if they're going to be doing it for my entertainment, then I'm all for it. You're not going to get deadheads doing that. They're going to do their drugs and pass out and, you know, drift away to the sweet sounds of Jerry Garcia and company. So you never had like the fish heads or the like there was a certain time where I was a big fan of Ween, as you know, forever. And I would go see them religiously and their shows were like you know, half full, barely empty. And then all of a sudden they just were packed in the middle of, I don't know, it was like 2007. I'm like, why is it? all of a sudden we have this resurgent and it was all these, I guess, deadheads, fish heads, whatever. And it was, it was like, they became this band, um, this band to kind of follow at the time. And, uh, you never had experiences with like those crowds. No, no. I mean, I, I keep in mind my, uh, my girlfriend and I, we went and saw a country crowd. We went and saw Sam hunt. I took her, it was a, valentine's day it wasn't my idea but we went to we went to go see it's okay it's good, probably good right i mean you know it was it was country justin timberlake that's basically what it is right it's it all sounds it's horrible all, bro i ain't gonna lie i don't know dude, it's, all, <laughs> it's all pop music dude it's all pop music but she had a great time and yeah. i had a great time good, because good. she had a great time right so everything was fine but you know, when I was when you're talking about genres of music, you're always going to have your ones that kind of stand out. You know what I mean? And at these country, these pop country shows, you know what I mean? Uh, we're not talking like Garth Brooks, where people from you know from 20 years old to 80 are attending. I'm talking about like this 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 Sam Hunt dude. It's like there that crowd is a bunch of like uh, a lot of a lot of makeup, a lot of like showing off. It's very much a pop crowd, you know. But it's like they try to do it with a little bit of humility. I don't you know. know I don't know if this you know. plays in our conversation because Deadheads and Juggalos travel to follow the bands, and and I mean it's their lifestyle. And I don't know if this character Sam Hunt or this pop country crowd is a traveling circus for this guy. Is 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 it something like that you're saying? Oh, no, that's not what I was saying. I was just saying, like, every crowd or every genre of music is going to have its annoying country or its annoying fan. You know what I mean? And it's like, 
if we're going to sit there and try to do the pluses and negatives of juggalos and deadheads, I mean, it's like both are disappointing their parents. <laughs> I actually got to see the Grateful Dead live, um, and I think I might have told you this story. I was a man; I was not old, but I—I I, I mean, I was not even a, possibly a teenager. It's got to go back to even eleven or twelve or thirteen. I can't remember, but I had to do community service um, because I signed up for all these community service type of things, and I wasn't in trouble. But like, I would seriously, I was like in seventh grade and I dress up as Santa Claus or something like that for like kids with AIDS and stuff like that. And I'd go do this. But one of the community service things they said is that they need someone to hold, I'm not making this up it's at, the, at this uh, venue called the uh, Sam Boyd silver bowl. So it's like a college football arena type thing. And they need, they needed people to hold the hoses to water down the guests that were passed out. So there was like three or four of us all around the stadium and I would just sit on the second level with the hose and you had security guards grabbing these people that were knocked out, passed out, whatever, probably, you know, drugged out and they would drag them over and I would spray them with water. And if they didn't wake up, they'd take them to the um, EMT or whatever in the back. Right. So that was your community service, just hosing off well, deadhead? The way it was is that I went to some Catholic school, and then it was like based through some sort of religion thing where we, they, we signed up for these community service type things, and we did things like that. Um, and so this was actually one of the things that I ended up doing is that I, I had the hose, and then I, it was just like a, a garden hose with like a nozzle, and you just spray it, you know, and then people in the face and they'd wake up or some of them wouldn't but they it was it was kind of a weird experience because i didn't understand it at first and the only time the only band i saw when you're 13 especially when you're 13 doing that i think i was no i was in seventh or eighth grade i graduated high school at 17 so um again i'm going back so jerry garcia was alive so that's got to be like 92 i saw metallica there um, and I, wonder like, they, I wonder if they. I wonder if they had to hose off Jerry Garcia before he took the stage. No, but the best part is that um, I would. So I was on a second level, and this was the ground, and so the football field is you know where all the standing area is in this field, and they would drag them to me, and then I would I was try to spray. They'd lift the guy's head up or, or gal, and I try to spray them in the face with the hose to kind of wake them up, and. Uh, Every time I did it, guys that were like just around would jump and get in the way of the stream, right? And so you had these security guards try to kick this guy away that would block the stream from me hitting the person that was on the fucking the first floor. And then you would have pretty much these uh, people that I'm supposed to try to wake up, like not not get hit with the water. So the security's mad at me because I'm not hitting them with the water. But meanwhile, you have all these deadheads that are getting in the way of the water, like they're opening their mouths and trying to drink it. So. That was my experience of doing bad community service. And like, I always, like, I left home. And as a kid, you're like, dude, did someone like die because I couldn't wake him up? It was like that kind of experience. So I, I, I kind of like really don't like that crowd <laughs> right? because of this. Okay. Well, that's because you had a, that's because you had a traumatic. <laughs> uh, it wasn't traumatic, dude. Looking back, it was a, it was a strange experience. It wasn't traumatic. I knew no okay. songs by the Grateful I'm Dead. Not saying, I'm not saying, you know, you got, molested by jerry garcia traumatic i'm just saying like you know you, you 
you probably were put into a situation at a very young age to deal with people that were either highly intoxicated or way too high, couldn't handle their drugs, and you're the one who's got to bring them, keep them from walking into the light. Well, keep in That's mind, a lot of responsibility for a kid without pubes. Keep keep in mind. First off, I don't. I'm not going to touch that area. But well, ooh, that would sounded horrible. But um, yeah. dude, stop it. Anyways, no wonder, no wonder you're so pent up. The 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 the, the purpose of it is because in Las Vegas, for everybody that doesn't know, it's like a, it was like in July. There's like a hundred and 12 degree heat yeah. and this any shower any concert happening outside in in the months of june july and august in vegas is suicide so it's like like what are you doing and and like i said there's no dome here it's an outdoor venue it's the sun hitting on you i mean we've been to many concerts out there where i know like i saw Lollapalooza in 94 this is a memory i'll never forget uh and it was at that venue and it started at noon and it was in the summer and the heat just crushed me Right, so by the time it was like eight o'clock, I'm not even kidding. I was laying in the grass looking up. Beastie Boys are playing. I just listened to them. I didn't even look at them behind me, not once. Yeah. I didn't even lift my head, and I was like, I'm just listening to them playing. Sure shot, and I'm just bounding. And I'm like, dude, I miss the Beastie Boys. <laughs> you know, like they were background yeah. noise as I was like, yeah. So that is true because water, again, wasn't free. It was extremely expensive. <laughs> yeah, so, so, but back to the story is that I didn't think people were on drugs. I was that naive. I thought they were passed out because of heat stroke, which is something that occurs a lot out here, and people right. die all the time. So I thought I was supposed to wake them up because they just had heat stroke, and I didn't put the drug thing together till way later, you know, way later. So, um, yeah, so that was my deadhead experience, and I was so annoyed that people wouldn't let me spray the person that was, quote-unquote, in my mind, heat stroked, and they would jump in the way of the water all the time because maybe, I don't know. But uh, yeah, dude, I just remember I have a vivid one. There was like, a, it was a, a dude with dreadlocks, blonde haired dude with dreadlocks. And I mean, you know, one of those guys that can't take the sun well. And I mean, he was beat red, dude. And he had like a white shirt that was just like torn down the side. And I mean, I was trying to hit him. He looked like a homeless dude for sure, but I could not hit him. And I just remember these people just jumping in the way and, and all that stuff. And I'm like, dude, I got so mad. And then they dragged him out. But he looked really bad. So whoever that guy is, 40 years later, you're on my conscience. 30 years later. Sorry. Yeah, I'm not that old. But yeah. Like, that, I, I, so I juggalos are not are less annoying. I agree with Steve Albini because of that. Because <laughs> deadheads like, don't care about guys that are in heat stroke or women in heat stroke. And they'll let them die in the concert. Juggalos well, would never do that. Juggles with yeah exactly they'd walk over and pour a cold <laughs> bottle of Fago on a passed out guy get up oh, like man. What, like what's the difference between juggalos and deadheads anyway it's like I think it's just between the words groovy and uh, I don't know yelling whoop whoop I think that's pretty much the big difference between juggalos and deadheads. I guess I can I can list uh, quite a few more, but uh, and, if it, and maybe and maybe the occasional like dreadlock for juggalos and face paint. I definitely think juggalos shower. Um, you know, see, I and, don't think deadheads shower. Deadheads are like no, deadheads. they don't, bro. I'm t- oh, I, yeah, I mean, they, they, they do, but like, it's thinking like shit. I'm telling you, when I saw the Ween concerts when they were taken over by the Fish crowd, yeah, you walk into a venue that was like the House of Blues or something like that at the time, and it reeked, bro. Yeah, and like I, it, it's like, and and, and, like, and like it was bad. I remember seeing, um, was it Colonel Claypool's? 
what was it called? Flying Frogs? Something like that? I got the records. Anyways, he had a, he had a band. It was the same thing. It was right before he did the Oysterhead with the dude with fish. So he had the Deadhead crowd. And uh, he had a midnight show uh, out here in Vegas in the House of Blues. And again, I, I can't go back to the year exactly, but I went to see him. And uh, people were virtually... Like, you know, I'm, I'm used to seeing mosh pits in the center of the House of Blues. People were passed out just laying on the ground because Fish played, like, at the MGM Grand at a major venue, and then he played a midnight show. And uh, I remember, uh, like, just the smell and, like, it looked like people... You think there's beer on the ground? I thought it was piss. Like, it just was a very homeless uh, atmosphere, dude. That's all well, I'm saying. Because the fish and deadheads, fish crowds and deadheads, it's like... You know, they get into the venue right when the door is open, just so they can get to a place with a roof. With AC. You know? Yeah. <laughs> okay, you I know? gotcha. So, like, that's the only... So, they've been in that venue for, like, four hours before the band even... Before the first band even started playing, you know, just so they could get in there. All you right. Know, so, where do you stand, real quick? Because I'm a little... I'm a, uh, I say deadheads are more annoying. You say... I, I I'd have to say deadheads are more annoying because no, because they probably came from a household of parents that tried to at least get them to be somewhat responsible back in the seventies. You know, now fast forward to kids that were our age. You know, I mean, there was a lot of white trash kids that that were raised and ended up becoming juggalos. So I just think that because the values system was different from the generation that spawned deadheads, I think they have a lot more reason to be ashamed of themselves than Juggalos because uh, America was way more fucked by the time Juggalos got here as compared to uh, deadheads. I don't know if I can agree with that either, but this is the first time. I don't. I don't agree with that. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know if I, I, I just want to. I'm grasping for straws, dude. I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to play devil's advocate. This is the first time I think me and you were – Without a doubt. Might not be, but I think Team Juggalo. Okay, moving on to the next yeah. story. <laughs> Metal yeah. Sucks Podcast, Team Juggalo, Steve Albini. Beanie. I don't know. I don't know. I, I've heard it many different ways. So next story, guys, before we jump into our interview with Ollie from Amorphous. I mean, it's like deadheads. Deadheads will like make a baby, and they'll name it something like, you know, Blue Wave. And Juggalos will make a baby, and it'll be named something like, you know, uh stretch nuts or something and it's like that's pretty much you know a lot more a lot more a lot more inner city goes into being a juggalo as it does to deadheads bro you okay today (laughs) it's like i'm trying to piece together exactly what it is that separates the two genres and why it's rare it's rare that i know you're high on the show like you're high (laughs) No, no, no! I just, I just woke up. Like five minutes. Ago. <laughs> I mean, you are, yeah, you are, you are. It's pretty awesome. I think, I think that a lot. I think that I should cut everything that you put together today and, and make like a some sort of bit, and make it fun of you next week. <laughs> like, some kind of a montage and just leave it sounding confusing. <laughs> just put questions. I am just, I'm just, I'm just grasping for straws, bro, like, bro. Is, the I'm amount of ellipses. If you, if you, if you were, um transcribed today the amount of ellipses that would go nowhere in your in your conversation but you know I, I would say it would be huge well, <laughs> let me just say this for starters we didn't have a pre-show meeting you just said all right here we go without ever doing this is like the first time you've ever done this so i could have at least had a second or two to think about some mm. some things but no you just unleashed it on me 
I and okay. First off, are you trying to tell the world you're not good on your on your toes? You're great on your toes. I'm great on my toes, and yes, I might be a little high. Yeah, <laughs> it's, you know why I knew you were high because you got defensive, <laughs> and I was like, well, clearly oh. he's high. Clearly, otherwise you'd be sober, like, yeah. When I'm sober. I take full responsibility for my stupidity. You when do. I'm a little stone. When and I mean a little little stone. This oh, is just bro. from last night too. There's a there was an there's residual stonage. <laughs> When I eat an edible, I always go, okay, I'm just going to eat this to go to bed. And then I wake up a little high the next day, and then here comes Pete, sharp as, sharp as a razor, uh, but do a dad shit for three hours, so mm. you're wide awake. You got two cups of coffee in you. I got, yeah, three, four, no, three. Three, yeah. four, three or four cups of coffee already? I wake. I woke up at 4 a.m., brother. I got I got house cleaning. I got laundry. I got, I got shit to do. Oh. My lady's in Arizona. All weekend oh. celebrating one of her friend's 40th birthday. She's dropping in oh. as a surprise. So oh, she's boy. out there. I was, uh, so, I was just in Arizona. I know. Yeah, you were. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a state very near us. Um, yeah. It's very near near <laughs> Nevada. Well, well that's uh, – who's high now? Thank you. That was a good <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Very near us. Nevada. So yeah. I, guess, I guess we're going to go on one more story. But, dude, I can't wait – to hear oh, now, now everybody knows as Brandon said he's he, he's a little he's high okay real quick and I didn't prep him for this story I thought those these would be easy peasy but this is the last story before we jump into our interview bro but I are you ready are you a little nervous are you second guessing I, yourself now I'm like now I'm very <laughs> I'm a li- I, I was I was confident going into this now I'm like oh my god they saw me they saw the weakness now wow you know a lot of people say when yeah, they're high right. or drunk they're very confident and then when someone calls them out they're like their doubts get, they're like super oh, hypersensitive I, now they're like what the fuck you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they like, know they know <laughs> like know? if I have like two beers with some if it's like if I have two beers with a buddy and then I come home and my girl's like you been drinking and I'm like no and then she's like are you sure and I'm like <laughs> no kidding right it's like when the cop pulls over somebody wasted and they're like I'm good they don't know <laughs> like they're gonna know oh, yeah. <laughs> they're gonna know we're aware all right, last story, man, before I interview, guys. <laughs> Disturbs, David Draymond. Uh, you know, I respect Disturb. I think they're a very popular band, obviously. Um, great live show. I've seen them live. And, you know, not a, not a huge fan. I don't own any of their albums, but I, I know their songs. They're radio hits and more power to them. Nothing bad to say. But this statement make that, that he made. Money. Yeah, make that make money. Make that money. Here's the headline. Here's the statement. Um, and I'm going to start with you david disturbs david draymond to anti-spotify artists okay now go to metalsucks.net read the the history because this is tied to the joe rogan thing and some other things but pretty much this is the statement he made okay i am too high for this yeah you might be blame yourselves streaming saved music all right let it sit in did streaming save music in your opinion brandon guchon oh no, 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 it did not. No. Uh, let, me, let me tell you what music needs for music to survive, genres to survive, thrive, and be beautiful and awesome. It needs young bands to make money, tour the world, uh, get inspired, not make it a part-time gig. I feel like streaming services made it a part-time gig where you can't survive. <laughs> so it's like the opposite of what we needed to save music. Now, did it keep... Um, corporations and a lot of people that run the business and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's positives to what it is. But we all know what the streaming services pay artists 
and that nobody can survive off of that. And a young band that's going to go out there and struggle for three or four records when they're not selling those records or getting the deals of bands like Disturbed did 20 plus years ago. That's a huge part of music survival is the commerce part. And yeah. And so I think that and here's the thing. This is this is this is what I always know about artists. They personalize things, say things out there, right? Like, well, I'm good with streaming out. Look at my res- residual checks, dude. Everybody's listened to Wahahaha. Now I get it. They probably are, dude. Right? What's the name of the Wahahaha song? Uh Down with the Sickness. Oh yeah, I, I knew that. I'm sorry. I should have now now I do seem like my coffee's yeah. wearing off, right? I should know ooh, down with the ooh, down ooh, with the uh, 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 uh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um uh anyways down with the sickness. So the point is is that the statement is just it's like I said, whenever you hear something like that, you're like, dude, I don't know what your angle was. And that's why I brought up if you guys go read the stories, he went to a lot of different uh avenues with the Spotify and Joe Rogan stuff and some other things. But I think that we as a community of fans, we as a community as artists, we as a community uh, as music consumers have to make a hard decision if we want young bands to survive. And that is to make Spotify pay the artists more in some avenue and have guys like Mr. Draymond here to be like a little more aware yeah, of more the struggle, man. Yeah, because it's, it's, so- it's, it's real. I've seen... It's like a meme, Spotify artist checks. I've seen so many where it's like 21 cents or something crazy that a band will post up, right? You've seen these, right? Yeah. It's like... It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Yeah. They'll get millions and millions and millions of hits, and they get paid point zero zero three cents, dude. Point zero. I think it's like... I think it's like point zero zero or point zero 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 three cents. It's despicable. And for anybody to really stick up for this is kind of annoying. And that's why that you're, you're not, you're right now what you're seeing is you're just seeing a have explained to the have nots why they're not getting what the have nots feel they deserve. And unfortunately for David Draymond, it's like, look, you came up, your band started in the 90s. You got, you found success at the very tail end of the 90s going into 2000s. And that's about the last time bands could really make some money because after spot after Napster came yeah, out and was Napster came out. Yeah. It was like after Napster and all that stuff came out, it ended up diminishing all the money that all these artists were making. You could have been a, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm just trying to think of like, you're running the mill, like, like a soul fly or whatever. You could have been a soul fly making over, you know, $400,000 a year. But now, like, what are you making now? It's it, your 20,000, 30,000, I mean, at the most. And then you got to split that three ways. I mean, not it's off like, Spotify. Yeah, you're doing it touring yeah, and all these other avenues. You're saying. right. But yeah, not off the actual. They cut out. And, yeah. then, and then on top of that, these record labels. And this is the one thing that pisses me off so much about David Draymond is they're making it out like, okay, for every one person, for every one person that does it their own way, maybe films their own music video, puts it out there, gets millions of hits all on its own. Okay, there are hundreds of thousands that do not have that luxury. It's almost like that one spot is reserved for some lucky artist. And it almost seems like it's planned out that way. Well, timing is everything, but when you have good timing in life, you should never, um, 
I guess, make the ones that didn't hit that same timing the same thing. You know what I'm saying? And that's all I'm saying. It's like his timing was great. His band did fantastic. And there is a way to survive and thrive in this industry. But like you made it not at this time. You're like grandfathered in. So it's like your statement, again, isn't helping those to rise them up. It's saying whatever. But remember, we as consumers, we have the final say always. So make sure if you guys you know want to support artists you do what's best for them and listen to them it could be buying that physical copy that's what i do as you guys know it could be going to their band camp i don't know but you guys you know that's the one thing about the scene right now is you can reach out to artists and see hey what's the best course of action and if they're like dude stream us and just buy merch man follow follow suit you know but we have the say so with that you didn't sound that high buddy no, no, there no. was a couple well, ellipses in there, well, but you didn't sound well, too bad. No, no, I thought I sounded smarter than you on that one. Because, Perfect. Uh, let me just say this: this, this is a topic you and I have discussed before many times. So you could throw the Spotify argument at me, and I'm going to have something that I could just—I'm going to have a well of knowledge that I can turn to. When you throw difference between Deadhead and Juggalos at me, and then ask me, "Hey, who's a more productive member of society?" Fuck you. That's wrong of you. I appreciate you having to double down on your defensiveness because you're high. For making for making me have to pick. Well, like I said, but it's putting me in a it's putting me in a pickle. It's time. It's time. It's time to move on. It's time to get to the bread and butter show. But first, dude, I need to promote and let the world know something real quick. All right. Please do it. Please God, let them know. From rewriting the Hard Rock Rulebook with his Grammy Award-winning trio, High on Fire, to reverse engineering doom metal with his genre-defying trio, Sleep, Matt Pike has channeled his natural talents and chiseled a steely path straight to the heart of modern-day metal's molten core. On February 18th, Pike will release his debut solo LP, Pike vs. The Automaton. It's via MNRK Heavy. Pre-orders are live and are available right now at Pike versus the automaton.com and this record is born out of the challenges brought on by the worldwide pandemic it's birthed under hellish red orange skies bred from rampaging west coast wildfires and built amidst the year-long political riots and rallies in portland oregon pike's solo debut pike versus the automaton is both a musical and emotional release the record was written by Pike with drummer John Reed, features contributions from a slew of family and friends, and is recording with longtime conspirator Billy Anderson, the producer who bought the best out of Pike's previously untouched titles, such as Surrounded by Thieves, By High and Fire, and of course, Sleep's Holy Mountain. Guys, pre-order now, February 18th, Matt Pike's debut solo LP, Pike vs. the Automaton. Go to Pike vs. the Automaton.com for more information and with that it's time let's jump into my interview with ollie pekka lane from amorphous everybody what's going on petter metal sucks podcast on the phone i have ollie from amorphous we are here to celebrate the new record halo man it's coming out february 11th guys so this is the conclusion of of the trilogy and for me as a fan and all of us under the red cloud and queen of time were such monumental records and going into following up those two records was probably a little difficult for you guys tell me how it was that whole process for you when you're like all right this is the next chapter in that trilogy uh well we don't take much pressure of what we are doing generally but uh it was um songwriting process might have been uh 
and like entirely the same as it was uh, with Queen of Time, for example. Uh, we just worked at homes separately, uh, composing, and uh, then we uh, uh, shared the stuff with the band and the producer, and um, the producer picks up, picks up the uh, songs, and uh, then we start to rehearse. So it's quite simple thing, uh, after all. Uh, and... Uh, what it comes to the band and the work to, working together is like relatively short period of time uh, making an album nowadays. Back in the days, we uh, probably rehearsed for one and a half years for one album <laughs> and like composed all the songs practically together. But uh, nowadays, it's a little bit different and it's smoother and it's easier and it's much more way forward. Um, thing to do so uh, anyhow uh, when when the song song selection is done we just start to rehearse and uh, and uh, it the pre-production itself takes probably one month uh, and uh, the basic re recording session takes another month and uh, then there's some vocals and a uh, little bit of keyboards and uh, lead guitars and stuff like that um, this time it was a little bit longer because uh, we had an opportunity to uh, tweak some things in the studio still because um, yeah because we had to work virtually with Jens we couldn't uh, play with him in Sweden as a band so uh, he just gave us orders from Sweden by email and uh, we did our thing here in uh, in Finland so it differed from uh, Queen of Time session quite a lot, actually, uh, in that sense. I do lo so, uh, love the fact that you brought up how you guys used to record. Personally, which did you prefer, this new method that's easier or that year-and-a-half progression, the long <laughs> game, to get that record out? Uh, well, it's kind of a... It's hard to say because it has like pros and cons working like this because, it's, of course, it's much more quicker and... Uh, smoother way but uh, still it's it's like a, i kind of personally enjoy being in a rehearsing place and uh, trying new things together and uh, and jamming with the band but uh, still i think we've gotten over that already during the 90s because uh, it had to do something because uh, with with the, with the fact that uh, we also learned how to compose and how to play at the same time when we did, did those albums, so we had to do it together uh, for that reason. But now that we can do it, and uh, technology allows us to do it this way, it's way more easier and a better, better way for us, but still, um, I enjoy playing uh, together in a rehearsing place, uh, so we have plenty of other projects as well within the band. Now, one thing I do want to talk about is I love the fact that there's a storytelling process on these records, Halo obviously being the end, and you are behind a lot of the storytelling, you are the lyricist, you do write all this stuff. How? And, and no. Oh, you do no, not? No, not me. No, no, no. It's, we have a separate lyricist oh. who's also called, uh, <laughs> called Pekka. So, uh, oh, that's my fault. Yeah, I yeah. apologize. No, okay. no, it's all right. Okay. Yeah, he's, an, he's, an, like, um, he's a poet from... Uh, our vocalist's hometown, Lohja. Okay. He's like, uh, um, 
Yeah, he's been doing it from uh, from the 70s or something. <laughs> he's painter and uh, he's uh, a poet and uh, he's making sculptures or whatever. So he's like a really multitasking, multitasking um, artist <laughs> in any sense. So, uh, uh, well, he started to work with the band uh, somewhere in the early 2000, I think. So, and, and he's he's been writing the lyrics ever since for the band. Um, and before, at this certain point, uh, the lyrics uh, real, had to do something with the with the na- national book Kalevala, Finnish national po- poem book. Okay. So uh, that's where we what we started to use already with tales from the Thousand Lakes, and uh, Becca wrote. Uh, lyrics inspired by that book until Circle, I think. But nowadays he's writing more of a, more of his own experiences and philosophies and uh, experiences and uh, so on, so on. Yeah, that's how it is. And uh, it's actually what it comes to Halo. I think there was supposed to be some kind of theme uh, on the album, but uh, because it would have to be. Uh, in alphabetical order or chronological order that story it would have been impossible for us to realize because uh, you never know in which uh, order the songs appear on the album so uh, yeah no but anyway i apologize i for some reason i always (laughs) thought (laughs) just because Uh, of the name you're right so i do apologize i'm glad you corrected me and i did it on the show so for any fans that had the same misinterpretation out there but that is something i do love though so at um like you said it's been happening since the early 2000 i mean this is your 14th record 15th, 14th right not 15th yeah 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 14th 14th um, ep sometimes throw me off a little bit um because you guys had a couple two or three but yeah, the um, live album as well yeah so 14th record and you said you started using him at the 2000s um tell me like as a band the decision how important it was to find like a poetic type of voice that was really seasoned in that um, for you guys to get the words across as far as a band? Well, uh, I don't know actually where it started from, but uh, even during the 90s, it was uh, something that we couldn't do ourselves that well, uh, writing lyrics. So it was just easier to pick pick them up uh, from Kalevala and Luckily so, because it became like a, uh, like a, started to live its own life in some sense, because uh, it brought some something new to the band, and uh, it was an exciting thing for the media and for the fans that there there's such band singing for from uh, like a uh, ancient poem book, and uh, yeah, but still uh, it's sort of important for us because uh, it's I don't know maybe maybe Tommy wasn't comfortable writing lyrics by himself self, so uh, it was uh, and he happened to know Pekka so it was kind of easy decision to uh, ask him but still it's kind of it's still kind of complex process because he's writing in Finnish he's doing it in the same meter as uh, those old Finnish Finnish poems and with the same rhyming, for example. So it's a little bit quite, kind, quite much like the same kind of uh, writing as, as, as those old poems used to be. So uh, 
and he's writing them in Finnish, and um, then there's another guy who's translating them to English. So uh, oh, nice. it is it is it is kind of a complex process, and they're still changing in the studio when there's producer uh, trying to fit <laughs> fit the uh, lyrics to the songs. So uh, they end up a little bit different from Pekka's original poems, but what the heck. Yes, no, no, that's really cool. I would, assa- I would assume that there's a lot of, uh, when you go to Finnish to translate that, you have to get certain rhymes and dirt- certain lyrics have to change in order for it to, to sound proper um, yeah. for you guys. And, and that's another process, like you said, that's crazy. Now, one thing I do want to bring up for us North American fans out here, you guys got the tour April 13th. Tell me, out here in the States, tell me about the visa process and how that worked as far as... Um, post-pandemic was it a lot harder to get that visa to come out here or was it the same process for you well i think we haven't announced for visas yet uh we have some time for that yeah. still uh luckily but still it's uh, it used to be nearly impossible at some point to get visas uh when the, when the pandemic was uh, just beginning and uh you had to shut shut down the borders um due to the spreading of the disease <laughs> but anyway uh i think now now it's a little bit more easy uh and uh but but still it's more expensive that than it used to be <laughs> mm. so that's something that that stuck from uh from uh that uh covid thing but anyway uh yeah i don't know uh i haven't been doing it yet it's, it's a pain in the ass anyway so <laughs> i'm not expecting it to be easy yeah, no, you, you're probably right, unfortunately. Um, I did actually talk to Barney from Napalm Death, um, and he said that it's easier right now due to... Um, oh. No, he's not easier to get the visa. Much harder to get the visa, more expensive. Um, but he says there's a way to do it. But it's easier to tour in the States because we have the same rules in the 50 states opposed to like touring across uh, Europe right now. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, and Yeah, we're... Go yeah, ahead. there were actually there were some parts in Finland which were separate uh, uh, like two years ago. There's this uh, big bigger area where Helsinki is placed in, uh, which is called Uusima, and it was shut down, which was kind of weird and a spooky thing to do. But anyway, uh, that's Finland, and also there were restrictions um, in Europe, of course. Uh, it wasn't impossible to go elsewhere, but it would have been quite hard to do a tour, for example. And uh, Germany, for example, was entirely su- shut down. And I think it still is. I don't know. Probably there aren't any shows there yet. And also in Finland, uh, the uh, venues and bars are opening not earlier than in the early March. So it's going to take some time here to get to normal life. So it might be easier in, in the States. And then the visa is good for a year usually, so we might get you guys a couple times, hopefully. Knock on wood. <laughs> if that's how <laughs> yeah, it works. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, yeah. let's see how it well, works. Like, Go ahead. Yeah, with Queen, Queen of Time, we did two tours in, in the States, so why not? Why not? Yes, uh, that's exactly. And your last show you did play was in Finland, though, correct? Around November of this year? Um, is that incorrect or correct? It's correct. Okay. Uh, we've been playing in Finland uh, relatively much uh, during the uh, last uh, two years. Okay. So we've we've done probably twenty shows here, which is like a pretty good saldo. Uh, comparing, you know, we were supposed to play quite m- much more, uh, 
when uh, when the uh, restrictions beca began, we were su supposed to start our 30th anniversary tour uh, for the festivals and maybe something more. And it was kind of a horrendous thing to do happen that we couldn't do it. But maybe another decade <laughs> let's see <laughs> we accept 21 we accept uh, you know we <laughs> okay <laughs> at this yeah. point Thank i think every, everybody's good with that <laughs> because we understand yeah. we'll just cross out like i think none of us count uh, 2020 as a year i think it was just a, a yeah, vacation yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? but, but we have played shows in finland for sure which so, which is great i mean so you guys didn't have to take that long break a lot of bands took about you know maybe a year and a half two years before they can even play and that's yeah, that's really lucky. So one thing I did want to bring up, and um, I have a lot of metal gear, everything, but I don't have a watch, right, that has a metal band's name on it. And you guys recently collaborated to create a watch. Can you tell me about that whole process and how that came together? Uh, well, I personally wasn't that aware of the whole process uh, okay. before ESA brought some pokey watches to the rehearsing place and told that there's a amorphous watch under works which was kind of an exciting thing <laughs> to learn but uh yeah it's a uh, i don't know it's like a really really good uh factory they're having a small small factory and um great watches good looking and uh like i, I don't know it's like kinesthetic watch it's uh, like uh, charges when you're moving your hand for example so uh I haven't seen it yet myself, but uh, looking forward. I've oh. seen some brochures and stuff like that, but uh, that's all. Yeah, they're not available yet, to my knowledge. I just saw like a news story that they were like in the works, ah. right? All right, yeah, yeah. In, yeah, yeah. in May, they they might be released, releasing them. Okay, so like, but, but, May. but still, there are like hundred copies of them, and I think it's like uh, nearly sold out already. So, ah, okay. Well, I'm promoting something I can't get. I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. uh, I'll, I'll look into it today. It's it's everybody. If you're looking for that watch, I'm telling you, I saw pictures. It looks awesome. It's got the amorphous yeah. logo underneath where your wrist goes. And as you mentioned, so make sure you guys are looking out for that and, and jumping on it. Now, one thing I did want to mention, I'm a big fan of music videos. You guys did do a music video for On the Dark Waters. Um, tell me about how that process went, the idea, the concept, everything behind that video. Yeah, it was uh, our friend called Pekka Hara, the guy uh, who... Um, directed uh, the song called Among Stars for Queen of Time. He did that video and we liked his uh, work pretty much because it was kind of a, had a really nice uh, atmosphere. It was kind of uh, 80s horror movie-ish uh, atmosphere with a dark, uh, spooky house. And uh, uh, it was really, really nice to work with him. And uh, we chose to pick him up as well and he luckily he had time to uh, do one video for us we did another one with Patrick Ullaneus guy from Sweden he did a video for the moon which was kind of easier process it was so uh, we just played the song for a couple times in the studio and that was it but this was totally different kind of thing we went to the woods and uh, played in the snow uh, for eight hours straight for the same song so <laughs> it was kind of exhausting experience but uh but it's still i, I like the video it's a little bit different we um we had a uh, different clothes we it they're like messed up 
vinyl clothes and uh, some Harley Benton guitars, which are like uh, painted black. <laughs> Which was which was kind kind of cool. <laughs> nice. No, no, the video is awesome, guys. Make sure you're checking it out. It's out right now as we're talking. Are you a big fan of horror movies? Because we kind of brought up that concept. That's where I was leading with the question. Are you a big fan of horror movies? Yeah, I am. Um, I'm not watching that much of uh, like modern horror movies, uh, but uh, movies from uh, from the early '80s. Mm. I I, uh, I really enjoy them. Uh, Exorcist and uh, Shining and uh, all the Stephen King stuff, Christine and uh, yeah, you name it. Yeah, it, that's my that's my period of uh, horror movies. I, I'm I'm with you, man. I like the gold. I like the older styles with the practical effects and uh, l- yeah. less CGI. I'm very much into the same thing, and those are the ones I revisit as well. Uh, modern horror movies, I talk about it a lot on the show, and every now and then I get surprised, but I do feel like it's like one out of ten. And so I always kind of go back to what I know. Do you think? Yeah, uh, yeah. You think it's just because of the way that, that things are made right now that they don't have that same impact? Because the movies you mentioned, they're they're actually like the cream of the crop. The Shining stuff like that are like horror, scary, everything like that. But you're not into the B movie side of the things, like uh, the really kind of bad ones. Well, not that much. Of course, mm-hmm. Evil Dead too, yeah. and so on. But oh. uh, but uh, Brain Dead and. Uh, of course, I know those and I've seen them, but uh, it's also part of the uh, excitement comes from watching them from uh, an old VHS cassette when there is this uh, like a sound uh, sound scale is a little bit different and uh, it grab with crappier picture and so on. It's like even more spookier in that way. So uh, that might play some part of uh, the experience. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I'm with you. It's like the vinyl or the cassette. It, it plays a part of my listening experience just because it's a different thing. But you, So you have a working VHS player because these, these are hard to come by these days. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, I have one. Uh, but it's in, in the cellar now. And I also have a Betamax oh, wow. player and, and lots of cassettes. But uh, I have to revisit them someday because I just got them from my sister's uh, basement. So uh, it's going to be exciting. That is exciting. I'm telling you. I got a ton of VHSs, and then sure enough, I pulled the, <laughs> the VHS player, broken, didn't work. And then I had to go on eBay and pay like like 250 American dollars for like a VHS player. I'm like, this is crazy. You know, like, yeah, yeah. It's not yeah, easy yeah. to find anymore, man. That's, so, tr- that's true. There was one Betamax cassette player for 1,400 euros. Wow. In a uh, yeah, for sale. So, so um, it is kind of a getting out of hand, those <laughs> prices. But still, I bought one uh, 8mm projector recently, and it costed only 50 euros. So it's only relative. It is. That's very true. It depends on, on the market out there. I, wa- I wonder, would, um, I, I bought the, the live Mr. Bungle, the recent uh, live stream they did. I bought it on VHS. And, yeah. um, and and like I said, the experience was just so much cooler to me because I'm dropping a tape in like I used to with like I have a bunch of old, I don't know, Queensryche live crime like on VHS and Dio straight from the heart. Like yeah. all these things that I mean, they I think they're a, they've been played to a point where they're going to break on me. Right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's the way to go. That's the feeling I had when I put in this <laughs> Mr. Bungle thing. Would you guys yeah. ever want to do that with like some sort of special package to get like a VHS tape with the live? Yeah. That would be great, and of course, as a special effect, it had had to be copied like t- thousands of times. Yeah, uh, from a cassette to cassette. But anyway, uh, 
Maybe, why not, why not? Uh, we've, we've been doing C cassettes recently, at least. <laughs> and Well, vinyl isn't that retro anymore, but uh, yeah, who knows, who knows? I don't know if they make those things anymore in the factories. Who knows? <laughs> you said it, man. No, it's, it's just a cool thought. I thought it was a really cool thing, and they were talking about it. But um, yeah, that's excellent. So back to the record. I want everybody out there, don't forget, Halo's coming out February 11th, guys. Make sure you're pre-ordering it. The, completing uh, the trilogy of the last three records you guys did. Now, um, after completing something like this lyrically, and this was, like you said, it's it's based on um the the concept lyrically was based on a uh, it's a poetry book from Finnish or is it is it the the, the uh, yeah okay. it's it's kind of a like national poet book mm. uh, but I have to correct it this time it wasn't uh, based on that oh it was uh, not okay no 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 it's it's more of a Pekka's personal stuff and uh, his his thoughts and uh, ideas but anyway uh, yeah yeah that's how it is but but that's always uh, coming from Kalevala which is the uh, national poem book or if you could say so it's like a written uh during the 19th century there was a guy who went traveled to the east border and started to uh, uh make the old folks sing and uh, wrote all the, that stuff down and uh, completed the story uh, from all those poems so uh that's the thing behind that Exciting, man. And so I also do want to touch base, if, if we may, uh, on Barren Earth. Um, is there anything going on with that project right now with yourself or no? Well, we are not uh, active at, at the point. At, at I the think point. we are in a sort of hiatus, but, uh, but we are still open of doing something together. We are constantly uh, messaging each other on WhatsApp and uh, but let's see. It's like uh, when the stars are in this in the right position. Uh, that's always up to that because we are pretty busy guys, and uh, yeah. uh, always at least one of us is on tour. So uh, it's kind of hard thing to pull off. But anyway, I know that uh, there are people in the band who are, who's been writing more music. So. Uh, who knows? Someday. Yes. Awesome, man. So when you were doing the two projects, though, as, as you said, they're kind of on hiatus right now. Um, what was the most? Uh, what was the best part of switching from one band to another to kind of like you know um, write or see the music going? Well, what was your favorite part of that transition when you were, you had two things going on kind of at the same time for the last close to a decade, yeah. right? Or it was a decade. You, yeah. Uh, you mean with Baron Earth and Amorphis? Yes. Switching be- between those bands, it was like um, <laughs> it was also a sort of a culture shock because. Um, uh, the whole uh, concept was so different from what I've gotten used to. Because we, with Baron Earth, we played with uh, with backline, with my Ampex stack and Marshall cabinets and so on. But with Amorphis, it's uh, we are playing with campers and uh, uh, in-ear monitors, which was kind of hard thing for me to learn how to do. And uh, but still, uh, it might be opposite thing today because it's, I've gotten used to that already. So, uh, And also, uh, of, naturally, we play much more bigger audiences, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, we have a professional crew behind us, and like, um, the whole production machine behind the band is like totally different, because uh, with Baron Earth, we basically managed ourselves and did everything by ourselves. So, uh, But it was kind of 
part of the fun as well to just do the like DIU thing mm-hmm. uh, with with the band and uh, doing it with our own terms. But of course, it's like uh, uh, as a musician, uh, <laughs> I would lie if I wouldn't if I'd say that I'd like to play smaller audiences or stuff like that or uh, like uh, produce the albums always by myself. It's like a, a pleasure to work with uh, professional people and uh, and to uh, play decent tours and uh, actually there's possibility to stay on tour for several, several years for one album so it's incredible and people are still coming to our shows even through we're coming to for example to stage for another time with the uh, same album so uh, yeah do it. it it's it it has its pros and cons and uh, vice versa like on the both sides it it sounds like a great that's what i if i was in your boat i think i would love to have both worlds you know um and, yeah. and have that different connection and I, like you said to me when i when i do that in my uh work professional life it makes me appreciate my main gig if i may a little bit more you know because i'm like all right yeah. this is cuz you still you're still kind of around i don't want to say the struggle but you're still kind of around like this level you know and then you're like this is where i'm at it just gives you a, an appreciation and yeah um, that's true and that's uh, exactly that's important yeah. right to to not forget how lucky you are to be a part of a fantastic group of people fantastic band like amorphous because when you don't have perspective sometimes it, it can get a little muddied right yeah yeah of course and uh, that's something i learned when i got into the band that mm. uh, the guys necessarily didn't uh respect everything like I did because uh, it was totally new and exciting for me again and they just kind of uh, had had gotten used to it and uh, like uh, how should I say it uh, I didn't whine about if there wasn't hummus on the table in the like catering table so but anyway I don't say that the guys are doing that but mm-hmm. but still it's like everything that came to me it was like a bonus and uh like a great thing yeah. playing for like say 500 people in moscow it was something like uh, out of this world you know but the guys it was just another geek for the guys yeah dude that's awesome man that is cool so everything i gotta tell you ollie thank you so much man but let me promote everything for us fans out here in the states guys do not do not sleep on your tickets amorphous is coming to america <laughs> April 13th, all the way to May 12th. Make sure you're checking the dates, guys. It's going to be a fantastic package. It's going to be a great time. And you guys are celebrating, obviously, what we're talking about and what we're promoting right here. That's Halo, the new album. It's coming out February 11th, guys. Such a great record. I'm telling you, I listened to all three um, back to back to back, and I'm like, man, if there was a way for you guys to play three albums in its entirety, I want to see this thing. Maybe live streams. That's a, that's a hint. <laughs> someday, someday, maybe. <laughs> someday we'll, we'll do three sets for for an hour yeah. plus. But man, it it was a great journey. You guys really knocked it out of the park. It's, us fans are lucky, and uh, I'm telling you, the response to this record is going to be just like the last two. So with that, I want to thank you so much, Oli, for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. Thank you, Peter. Thank you for the questions, and it was uh, like a pleasure to talk to you.
Metal Sucks Podcast.
All right, guys, and we are back. Both songs you heard is off the latest record, Halo. It is out right now. It is going to make top lists, you guys. I promise you. It's excellent, dude. First track is On the Dark Waters. Second one you heard is The Moon. Music videos are out for both. Make sure you're going to YouTube and checking this out, guys. And as I mentioned in the interview, Amorphous is coming to here, right here in North America. It's starting in April. Go check tour dates. Do not miss that show and that package. It's the best, man. So with that, I want to thank everybody out there for the five-star reviews we keep getting on the good old Apple iTunes. Guys, I see the number rising weekly. You guys are the best. Me, Brandon, Sylvia, Jaws, we make this work every week. We get these interviews in there. And all we ask for in return is just those five-star reviews on that Apple iTunes. And you guys come through every week. So thank you so much. If you can take the time, jump on over there. Five-star. We don't need comments. We don't need words. Just the five-star is all we're asking for. And also, we appreciate and love all the support we get on our other podcast, Rise to Offend. Guys, it's been a while since we've done an episode. But like I said, I've got some written out. It's in the works. It's going to come back for sure. I do want to always give a shout-out to one of my favorite podcasts, Two Songs, One Couple. They just sent me a, a Twitter email talking about how much they loved our six-hour episode on Woodstock. You guys check it out. Woodstock 1, 2, and 3 is all documented on that podcast with a lot of people's intake. So if you guys haven't checked out that episode, I think you'd love it, music people. Rise to Offense, the name of that podcast, and go support uh, Two Songs, One Couple. Great podcast, great people, man. So with that, until next week, our friends. Brandon, you want to say anything with an ellipses before we go? Uh, the Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off.